This is Harold Sylvester, also known as Griff, and you are listening to the Married with Children podcast. <laughs> Merry Christmas. You're cooking with butter. Merry Christmas, butter baby. <laughs> this is Shuhan Oplente. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? Whoa! No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. My name is Tyler. And I have just donned my gay apparel. Well, Tyler, I'll have you know that, uh, well, I'll get you that pony you want for Christmas. I'll bring it over then. Aww. So sweet. <laughs> and we want to welcome uh, uh, someone else, Stefan. Yeah, this is Stefan. And it might just be the gravy talking, but I trust your judgment. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you do. I'm happy right, to well- be here. Oh yeah, and we're happy to have you, Steph, uh, Stefan. Uh, very nice, to, very nice to finally meet you and get you up here on the show. And um, before we begin, how about you just uh, you can take this time to say anything you you've wanted to say while listening to the podcast before. If I was ever on it, what would I say? Uh, <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, um, well, I discovered the podcast in addition to many of them that I now listen to uh, last year during lockdown. You know, the monotony and the boredom, um, you know, discovered it. And when I returned to work, we had a lot of downtimes, a lot of downtime. So I spent a lot of it listening to it uh, at my desk. So it helped me get you helped me get me through those, you know, long days with nothing to do. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I have been following it for a while and I actually have I've uh been a guest on many different podcasts and now i have with my friends chris and jess we have our own podcast the fighting films podcast is what it's called you can find it uh, anywhere you can find your podcasts and if if you if you can't find it we'll let us know and we'll put it up on said service basically we take two films that are similar to each other in some way and just kind of compare and contrast them Ooh, yeah, that that sounds really interesting. So like this week we're doing well, we already recorded it. So my friend Chris had his own show called The Chippa Made This and Shooting the Shit. And it started kind of as a, a show within a show for his. And this episode we're doing this week is uh, one that we already recorded. And it's the 1999 remakes of The Haunting and House on Haunted Hill. So that's just like an example of it. Yeah, the, the difference is one's a horror movie and one isn't. Yeah, one's a movie and the other one is something completely different. Yeah, well, basically, basically uh, in my opinion, one is good and one isn't. Yes. <laughs> leave it at that. I think you can guess which one. The I'm answer about. might not surprise you at all. No, not at all. No. So Stephen and Stefan. I mean, <clears throat> Stefan. So uh, what's, some, what's your experience with Mary with children? So I, uh, I remember... I remembered Married with Children in the 90s. Um, 
I didn't watch a lot of it, obviously, because I was too young, you know, having been born in 1987. A few episodes did really stand out to me, uh, especially the the uh, Poppies by the Tree double parter um, as as a huge horror fan. You know, that that episode always it's it's always been one of my favorite episodes. Uh, and even as a kid, I really liked it, thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I you know, and that that's yeah, kind of my intro to that show. And this and this specific episode, I so I really got into the show when it was on syndication on Fox and FX around 2000. You both remember that, no doubt. Yep. Mm, kind of. But yeah. OK, yeah, it, it would air. They aired two like two episodes every night at the same time. Sometimes were like rarely the same episode would play. It was kind of funny. My friend in junior high named Peter was really into it too. And he actually mentioned this episode before I saw it. He's like, we were talking about episodes one day at lunch and he was like, have you seen the episode where Peg's mom opened up the phone sex line at their house? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this sounds interesting. <laughs> so, you know, I saw it like sometime later and just, you know, this, this is, you know, I know we talk about, Season 10, season 10 is kind of regarded as the worst season is what, what are the kind of the consensus that I've seen and heard, which I agree with rewatching the whole season 10, you know, when you were like, yeah, if you want to be a guest on this season, just pick out the episodes you want. And it was kind of a chore to get through, I got to say, but this is one of my favorites from the season. I will. I agree, would agree with you on that. I do think this is one of the better episodes. Uh, it's just so funny. Well, as uh, the contrarian Tyler, I'm going to have to disagree. Mm. Um, I've been doing a lot of talks with other people on Twitter about other shows that I'm into that have been around for a long time. The Simpsons, Family Guy, American Dad, uh, stuff that I grew up with and where people have strong fan bases to Star Trek also and other shows like that. And when people point out like well, this is the sh- this is the season where the show declined or this was the worst season, I find out that people have lots of different criteria for what constitutes the worst and what constitutes the best. And I'm I guess I'm in agreement on a show construction view that this this probably is the worst if you want to put it that way. But if we're voting for how much fun we're having. I'm having a lot of fun with season 10. In fact, I think I had for, uh, season nine. I had not as much fun with the episodes that I've uh, up till what we're recording now as opposed to season nine. So it's interesting. I guess it all depends on your taste. Uh, listeners, let us know what you guys think in the Facebook chat. I really liked your theory. The uh, this la- one of these last episodes about how, the show, I think it was the previous episode that was just released this, this week or last week about where it, you think that it was, to, it was supposed to have ended in season nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, they, kind they of thought it was to do with season 10. Yeah. I got the impression that this show just constantly, like they, they just kind of expected each season was like 50, 50, whether or not it was going to keep going. Exactly. And yeah. at this point, the Simpsons were flying out. Uh, people were not tuning in as much. So mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, and I can't even imagine the weird wild, wild West version of the Fox network at that time. So I'm sure they were worried and like it. Well, I can just imagine 
we well, we are contracted for this many episodes. I mean, what are they going to do? Worst case scenario, they pull us. So let's just have fun. Do what we want. So I really mm-hmm. do think the actors, producers, and the, the whole creation crew is having a lot of fun. And I do believe, even on the worst episodes of the season, I do see a lot of natural uh, enthusiasm from the cast. Like, I do think people are having fun. I would say except for enemies. <laughs> With the exception of that one. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I was going to add to that, I wouldn't call season 10 a bad or the worst season. I like to refer to it as their weakest. Much better. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still it's still fun. I would say I would say it is, in my opinion, the weakest season. And and I'm I'm also not one of those people that said it. the show jumped the shark with season seven. I think it's more I think it jumped the shark more in about season eight with the writer's changes when it just became more wacky and cartoony. And even then it wasn't bad. It just was different. Yeah. It never jumped quote, jumped the shark in a way. I mean, the Simpsons jumped the shark when they sent Homer to space. I'm only bringing up the Simpsons because it's a great comparison because the shows were airing simultaneously and probably had a lot of creativity. Season was eight. that before? Okay, that was that was uh, af, that was before um, uh, the principal and the popper. Oh, that was way that was. Oh God, that that was the one I thought made him jump the shark. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people consider that the jump the shark moment. So, Stefan, thank you very much for uh, joining us in the show. It's nice to know that you have a uh, similar kind of background with Mary with Children as we all have, and I'm very looking forward to hearing how you. Uh, how you fared with, um, I can't believe it's butter. Mm. And I think that should segue us into the actual uh, episode. Holiday feasts. So you're having another imaginary Christmas dinner. Spreading Yuletide cheer. Gentlemen, focus. There'll be no brawling here. This is a Christmas party, not a wedding. Get into the holiday spirit. Usually you just use one of your old white socks. On Married with Children. Honey, that is one of his white socks. An all-new Christmas special tonight at 9, 8 Central. So, season 10, episode 13, I Can't Believe It's Butter. First aired December 17th, 1995, and was written by Scott Zimbler, Joel Valentinissi. Jo- I'm going to call him Joel Valentine. It's Valentinissi, I think. And of course, our friend of the show, I always want to say this, our friend of the show, Michael Moye, and directed by Sam Oriander. Uh, it's guest starring Harold Sylvester as Griff, E.E. E. Bell as Bob Rooney, Tom McKeesty as Ike, Dan Tullys as Officer Dan, Kathleen Freeman as Peg's mom, Danica Sheridan at Dan <clears throat> Danica Sheridan as Fat Woman, Venicia Valentino as Mother, and Dijon Williams as Bobby, Jennifer Martin as the voice of Butter, an actress who focused on voice acting for anime for animation. All right, but first, let's talk about the title. Uh, Stephen, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, I can't believe it's not better. It's a spread brand produced by Upfield and marketed as a substitute for butter. The J.H. Filbert Company, based in Baltimore, Maryland, developed the product in 1979 at a low-cost alternative to butter for the food service industry. The name originated from a comment by the husband of a company secretary. He sampled the product. 
And it was first marketed to retail customers in 1981. And I remember those commercials when they came out because I was like 14. And and that was their motto. I can't believe it's not butter. She wanted to remember the love they shared for butter. But cholesterol took away their passion until... I can't believe it's not butter. I can't believe it's not butter. The taste you love without the cholesterol. What a work of art. I bet the actual origin was the husband going, Mmm, I can't believe it's not butter. Pause. Psych. This tastes like shit. And then throws it into the trash. <laughs> you mentioned that the um, the purpose of it was a low-cost alternative. But it was also, remember, uh, in the 90s, you know, there was all, you know, we've always had these, like, you know, diet food fads throughout the ages. And in the 90s, it was low-fat so that was a big, a big point of um, its appeal was, you know, where for fat was evil, any Two, kind of fat. 2000s, it was all about carbs, no carbs, count them carbs or carbs, not carb calories. It was all about the calories. Count those calories in, in the two, in the 2000s. It was carbs too. carbs and calories. Yeah. What, yeah. Are, what are we at now? Are we Sugar. allowed to eat anything? Sugar is, oh. is bad, which which I mean, I, I feel like it kind of all, well, at least, you know, certain kinds of sugar, but it always kind of should have been there. Yeah. I mean, there there's, you know, there's well, it's well been documented that, the you know, the sugar companies paid off, you know, studies that, you know, fat was bad. You know, they yeah, that, that's, that's been documented. Well, actually, sugar is pretty. It, 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 there are two types of sugar. There's processed sugar. That's the stuff that's bad for you. And then this type of sugar you get from fruits and sometimes vegetables where, yeah, fructose, which your body metabolizes. I have kind of gotten back into, I can't believe it's not better because like it's something, it's always something that my boyfriend has at the house. So in addition to real butter, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I don't mind the taste. If it's there, I'm eating it. I, I know. I kind of, <laughs> I remember back to what uh, Jamie Hey, Jamie, hope you're listening to this, said on another episode where I don't think anything that's two molecules away from being plastic is healthy. <laughs> we should be eating. I, I, I've used that quote quite a bit since I've since she said that. So thank you for that, Jamie. Hey, when you're done with that bagel, could you pass that over? I need to patch up one of my action figures, please. You know, uh, one thing about this one, when I was rewatching it, it, it was one of those I think I may have watched once when it first came out and never really took it in i forgot it was a christmas episode i can't believe that i it's this is great yes merry christmas listeners it is december yeah. 22nd as time of recording so yeah merry christmas to all who celebrate yep to all Next the butters out there mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the fifth uh, of six merry with children christmas episodes Wonderful Life, remember, is one was originally one big episode. You also had You Better Watch Out, Season 2, which is my personal favorite. Season 4 was It's a Wonderful Life. Season 7 was Christmas, which was, I saw that one, and I really like that one. I think, you know, it's just really good. Season 8 is The Worst Noel. Season 10, of course, I can't believe it's better. And next season, they have got Helky Mary Bundyman. My personal favorite. Uh, next oh, one, I, no one should it. choose It's a Bundleful <laughs> Life, because if everyone could choose that one, that's obviously the best. But mm-hmm. without that one, God Help Ye Mary Bundyman is my favorite. <laughs> that was the one where they, where 
where like Kelly and Bud destroy Marcy's like Christmas setting, right? Display. Is that the one? And I think they had to fill in for the Christmas yes. display too. <laughs> that Virgin Mary looks a bit trampy. <laughs> I love <laughs> I am such a sucker. <laughs> oh my god, it's all coming back to me. I'm such a sucker for because I'm watching a lot of Christmas specials right now, and I'm such a sucker for the uh, heartsy, uh, solely kind of like feel good Christmas ones, but mm-hmm. also that have a lot of commentary on capitalism and marketing. So uh, anytime that that kind of happens, I get really gleeful with that. <laughs> but. Um, let's, but now we get into the, uh, into the episode, uh, it starts around the table. Family, and I use that term with great embarrassment, (laughs) it is now time to unveil the contents of the Bundy Family Christmas Club. Dad, we got a festive green one this year. Usually you just use one of your old white socks. (laughs) Honey, that is one of his white socks. <laughs> See how it matches his teeth? No. <laughs> Thank you, Rudolph the Redhead Couch Witch. <laughs> anyway, once a year, the working members of the Bundy family, namely me, put aside a small percentage of his paycheck. Namely nothing. <laughs> and at the end of the year, opens it up to buy Christmas presents. Namely garbage. <laughs> Dad, why do we go through this pathetic charade every year? You know darn well, Mom's Jimmy the Lock and spent all the money on herself. <laughs> and uh, remember, Stephen, wasn't the Bundy Family Christmas Club already mentioned? Yes, uh, that was used in the fourth, the fourth season Christmas episode, and that was uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" because he did have money put away in a Christmas club. But this year it's going to be different. Who here knows what a Christmas club is? Isn't that where morons put money in the bank to get 2% interest instead of the normal five? Uh, yeah. Mm, yes, and we weren't on that episode. I, uh, Alex and the crew were still doing strong, so I'm not sure if they talked about what a Christmas club was. They probably did, but just in case listeners haven't gone back and don't want to, uh, Christmas club was a was a little thing that banks did back uh, back when people still trusted them to where you would put money in to a uh, special account that would give you a higher interest rate. And the whole idea is you wouldn't be touch. You could put money in. You wouldn't touch this money until Christmas came out. It pro- this probably also helped stores and marketing and merchandising to see how much capital was going to be unleashed onto the uh, um, the market. And uh, well, now with sales and deals, I'm not sure if people still do that anymore. Uh, do either of you guys I, have I've a Christmas club? I've never heard of it. It's, so it's like, it's like a um, like a short, a shorter term, like CD account, kind of. Uh, kind of. I think it's a professional version of what Marge Simpson does when she pulls that jar of money out of her hair. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just what it's like. It's the Christmas money. It's uh, because you know, like Christmas, you have to spend so much money that you really should budget for the entire year. So, mm-hmm. well, in all honesty with, I do have a club of savings account and yes, I put what I call my Christmas money in there along with vacation and other stuff. What I do is I use spreadsheets to kind of keep track of, um, 
what is you know in so much for emergencies and what's in so much for home repairs and Christmas and vacation and clothes. So I know how much I have in each one. So yeah, I do draw interest on it, but you know the interest bearings now back compared to the eighties is abysmal. You really don't get much for it. I just wanted something more secure than say an envelope. Ah, see, Stephen, this is why this is explains why Stephen gives all of us a very warm and happy handshake for Christmas every year. <laughs> it's better than a than a crack across the head, <laughs> <laughs> or two across. Was it five, five, four across the eyes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just super organized, and oh man, I'm just <laughs> into finances a lot more since uh, as an inch closer to retirement. <laughs> hey, you, you, you gotta be, I mean, honestly, I'm in a way, I kind of hope that I, I don't live to see retire <laughs> to reach retirement, honestly. And I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm never having kids. So, you know, whatever. I did see a very sweet post on uh, Twitter uh, earlier. It was, um, my son gave me my Christmas gift early and said, dad, I'm so worried about uh, retirement for not just me, but definitely for you. So I called your bank and here is your gift. And he sent him a screenshot. Blank has deposited $1,500 into your uh, retirement fund with love from your son. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Mm -hmm. yeah. And frankly, I'm not going to fully retire. You know, I'll still work part time just for the heck of it, because I know I'm going to get bored as hell if I fully retire. Yeah, you're not a baby boomer. You don't get to just like stop working and still own your own home and live very nicely and everything. Mm, no, unfortunately, don't even, don't even get me started with that. Uh, <laughs> as as a millennial, that I mean, let me just say, don't put this in the episode. But sometimes the movie Children of the Corn is appealing. <laughs> oh, we we might leave that in. You did not say anything too bad. <laughs> hey, no, I've talked my way out of worse. But um. What it, what's even creepier than Malachi is Al's Christmas Club, Stefan. Do you remember? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The the sock, the yeah. stocking. Yeah, his <laughs> green sock, or it, it was. They do a SpongeBob joke. It was it was white when he bought it. <laughs> right? Yes. Oh, I'm so. Oh, uh, st stick a pin in that. If I ever say check off. Check off on something. It's because on on my podcast we use that to mean like we'll come back to it. Uh, check off on that for another two um, thousands uh, Nickelodeon reference. By the way, later awesome. on. Yeah, great. Oh, nice. I'm I wonder if you will that. know what I mean, Tyler. I probably will. Uh, the probably episode's will. replaying in my head as I'm like as we're doing this, so it'll probably pop back up. Mm -hmm. But of course, there is no money in the christmas club uh the bundy christmas club it's like al should you should you not have learned you know from when you you know bury your box in the yard <laughs> well yeah because as steven says we're uh the, the the christmas club came up before and quite obviously we all know what happens to money that is saved in the bundy household uh the little red-headed uh, elf uh peg <laughs> buys it for herself but not this year right steven she didn't buy any. She didn't buy anything for herself. Mom's Jimmy the Lock and spent all the money on herself. <laughs> I didn't spend one penny on myself this year. Hey, hey maybe we'll get one of Then why is there nothing but receipts in here, Peg? <laughs> well, those aren't for 
for me. That's just stuff Mom needed. $500 for JJ's house of strudel. $200 for a heavy-duty butt mask. Everybody knows that strudel goes straight to the butt. Oh, there goes your Christmas gift pick. What about us? Oh, this doesn't affect your gift, pumpkin. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I had to give you one of these for Christmas. This year, she's Rudolph the Red-Headed Couch Wit. Thank you. I was hoping one of y'all had it. <laughs> I love that line. I missed the, the, the wit part at the end. I thought twit or something. I'm like, either way, it's it's true. <laughs> I thought twit too, but no, it's great. But no, uh, nope. Uh, she swears that she didn't buy anything for herself. It was all stuff that mom wanted. Oy. Right. Can we talk about Peg's shirt? In this scene, it doesn't fit the Christmas season. No, but it fits Peg's like persona perfectly. Yes, <laughs> Katie Seagal just must have a storage unit filled with all the outfits that she got yeah. from Married with Children, and I bet she wears them quite frequently. I will say that even as a kid, what when when I first watched you know this episode and first watched Married with Children seriously in general, you know, it always even though you know I I knew I was gay. I acknowledge that, you know, like I can I acknowledge that, you know, Peg slash Katie Seagal, you know, is an attractive woman. And I'm always like, you know, Al, how come do you hate, you know, being with your wife? I mean, like it's like, mm. I don't uh, know. I mean, there's uh, other st- things. Stefan, yeah. I'm curious um, and I've been hoping we would get a, uh, you know, a specifically a uh, gay male on here because I always want to ask. Uh, there's plenty of straight men. A drooling over Christina Applegate. So I, I want to know, since you recognize that uh, Peg is an attractive woman, is there some part of you that sees what might be attractive about uh, Al Bundy? Yeah, being serious. Working class guy. You know, I, I suppose. I have heard hand. I've heard his hands for some reason that he's got like I big. Get that. I get that. Big man working man hands mm-hmm. <laughs> i will say i was always i always found david faustino pretty cute i've always been into short guys my right make, in your pocket <laughs> yeah i mean it's evident with my my boyfriend is five foot four and i'm i'm like six four and a half oh my wow you're a tall king in your relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he's a short prince all right so yep we're back to the episode okay so uh, the big the big issue with this with the Christmas episode for this one and I and she features heavily <laughs> pun intended very heavily in the episode is Peg's mother, who is currently if you're just watching, you know, if uh, fair weatherly through season 10 and don't know this Peg's mother is living upstairs and um, I love this. Some people might hate it. I love that Peg's mom is upstairs. I love so much just a voice she brings so much joy and happiness in my life to see how much everyone in this universe with the exception of peg absolutely despises this person Mm -hmm. so much yes but yes so like uh, peg's mother is giving uh putting a big burden on the household again none of these puns are intended it's just there (laughs) Mm -hmm. um 
$500 for JJ's House of Strudel, $200 for Heavy Duty Buttermaster, Buttmaster. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite joke ever with Peg's mom was on the the gas station episode. Well, we went back to the house to look for the money, but mom called. She was a little down. She got on a scale today and it said she weighed 380. (laughs) <laughs> she's been 374 since high school and she's afraid she's afraid she's getting fat uh, don't worry Peg she probably had six pounds of food stuck between her teeth when I think of how that woman loves you thank God she can't hear you thank God she can't eat me <laughs> mm, yes oh, I think I that's that. one of my favorites too Stefan that's okay. just hilarious I finally found my notes, guys, and it's it's I my notes sync up the episode in my head so I can see how which shit happens next. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, the reason I brought up uh, the handshake earlier, guys, was one of my favorite jokes ever about how poor they are is um, uh, Kelly going, will this affect my Christmas gift? Oh, no, pumpkin. And he just gives her a handshake. I don't think Christina Applegate knew what Ed O'Neill was going to do. Because she looked legitimately like, wait, what? Uh, and the audience, too, just like loses their minds. He's like, Merry Christmas to you. And then turns the butt and Merry Christmas to you. And uh, for the first time, I don't think I've ever seen this before. As you guys catch this, Al really looks like he's about to backhand Bud. And not in a funny way, either. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I never noticed, thought about that. Yeah, and Bud, like, my, my dad never hit me like that, but he definitely threatened a couple of times, and they would make me jump. So I'm like, ooh, that, that's going to hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, like, it's very contentious. You can tell the family is not in a joyful mood, and absolutely Al is not either. <laughs> Come on, Cal. Let's go. We'll have to raise our own money for Christmas presents this year. You know what this means, right? Yeah, the shell-shocked vet and the blind girl routine. That's right. (laughs) And this year, don't sit there reading People magazine. I was not reading it. I was looking at the pictures. I forgot about this. I'm just looking at my notes again, where when Bud and Kelly, like, well, we have to make our own money this year. And then... (laughs) He's like, don't, don't be reading People magazine and pretend to be blind. I wasn't reading it. I was looking at the picture. Oh yeah, that wasn't that our intro, Stephen. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Moving forward, um, it transitions now to Al at his workspace. Excuse me. Do you have any pumps in my size? Yes, I do, but the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Shoes would not allow me to sell them to Well, I hope you get coal in your stocking on Christmas morning. And I hope you get slim fast in yours. (laughs) Now, we're about to have our Christmas party here, so would you mind eggnogging on out? Happy holidays! And not doing much work because they're having themselves a little Christmas party. I mean, do they ever do much work? 
<laughs> well, I mean, no, but they're they're usually pretending. This time they're literally just starting up a Christmas party and no man oh god, kill me dead. A no ma'am Christmas party. Can you think of anything more depressing? Like <laughs> No. I love another really good fat joke uh Al makes. Fat woman, do you have any pumps in my size? And Al says yes. But the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Shoes would never <laughs> give them to you. Let me give them to you. And she says, I hope you get a coal in your stocking on Christmas morning. And Al replies, and I hope you get slim best in yours. Oh, so <laughs> the rat-a-tat-tat. It, it it's just it's so great. I love and it. that that uh, that uh, that woman is Danica Sheridan, who previously played a fat woman in the season before, right where they where no it was earlier in the season, right where they open up the gym, the aerobic studio. Yeah, and that that is that she is a part of my favorite favorite Al Bundy fat woman joke. You know, the whole, like, you must have landed on your butt a time or two. How dare you say that to my face? Well, I say it right back. My cousin, like, got a half take again. <laughs> that is just gold. Kyle and I talked about that when I remember that. And, and she's one of those, and she's a woman who plays a lot of heavy people. It's just on purpose. You, yeah. you, let's bow. Let's take a moment and bow down to any woman in Hollywood who is just like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fat woman. Yeah. And, uh, and, and let me I'm tell doing. you, fat. Fat or of size does not equal unattractive. I want to make that very clear. Oh, I would agree. I know, I know no. tons, tons of big women that are gorgeous. My best friend and podcast partner Jess is is one of them, and she she is a beautiful woman with a great sense of style. Gorgeous, and, gorgeous woman. And let's break the and Mary with Children uh, podcast does not invoke the stereotype that. All uh, fat men and women uh, means that they're loners and can't find love. Because let me tell you, in the world of uh, pro, like, you know, uh, pro kink and fetishism, there are communities out there that love their big people and all the power to them. Good for them. Yeah. And then she she would she would appear in the season 11 episode, right? Where, where all of like the women that Al ridiculed come back. Yeah. That's uh, next season crimes against obesity. It's so, yes. yeah, that is one. I'd, of I'd love favorites. to do that one. I want to do that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. If we can get you on that episode. Cool. Um, but uh, no, then Jefferson comes in and again, the humor, like I really think everyone just had, eggnog shots uh, right before each take because everyone is just full of glee and pep. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. (laughs) I had to ditch Marcy down at the employment office. (laughs) God, what a depressing place. All those people out of work, huh? No, all those people looking for work. (laughs) Have they no pride? (laughs) I'll tell you. If Marcy is so dead set on a two-income family, let her get a night job. <laughs> Jefferson, you don't really mean that about Marcy, do you? <laughs> oh, as sure as I'm skimming money off her mutual funds. 
<laughs> oh, I tell you, it'll be a cold day in hell when my paycheck and heels outsmarts me. <laughs> well, then, prepare to make snow angels with the Prince of Darkness. Marcy. Marcy, I, I can't believe you followed me here from the employment office. Look, oh, Jeff. no, 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 don't apologize. The damage is done. <laughs> Look, Marcy, if I can't trust you not to follow me, how could I ever trust you as a reference on a job application? Well, I already got you a job. Playing life-size Ken in the Barbie Christmas window at Marshall Fields. <laughs> Okay, but don't blame me, Marcy, if your sick obsession with work drives me into the arms of a life-size Barbie. <laughs> oh, because Jefferson comes in, and uh, he's, he's so mean to Marcy. Like, <laughs> well, you got to remember, first, he said he had to ditch Marcy down to the employment office. God, what a depressing place. Exactly. Yeah. My paycheck on heels. I will say, though, about, you know, maybe it's just like I find the good in people or I've, you know, had experiences that are atypical. But when I've gone to government run agencies like such as the DMV or unemployment office in my line of work, I can be unemployed for long periods of time. They're they're pretty friendly. The the people that the people there are pretty nice. Yes, they are. It's. Just a horrible. Well, it's, it's job security, is what it is. <laughs> anyway, and then, but then I love it when Jefferson says it's not because that there are people out of work; it's because all those people are looking for work. <laughs> mm, yeah, not uh, That's quite quite top, right, Jefferson. Very topical for you know twenty 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 one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and he he suggests that if Marcy wants a two income family, she can get a, a night job. It's just like Becky. Right. (laughs) And then we get to the classic sitcom trope where, you know, the the person that they're mocking is right behind them and hears it. (laughs) Before before uh, our time, though, Bundy... Bundy Nomics. I said it in my head, but I couldn't say it out loud. We call that, Stefan, Bundy Nomics. Right. Hmm. And then... Uh, Bundynomics, yeah, there's a, I, yeah, the, I mean, y'all did the episode where you analyze the money situation on that show, which I love doing that for like the Simpsons and this show. And it's like, yeah, this family could never afford like the stuff that they have with Al's salary. It's like, absolutely not, not even in the eighties or, or even before, you know, pre pre Reaganomics, you couldn't afford it. But real quick, I want to mention something that I thought was hilarious when Marcy is behind Jefferson is Al is trying to alert Jefferson. And one of the ways is he tries to flap his arms like a chicken. I, <laughs> I didn't see that the first time I watched it. And I was like, cause like I normally Al doesn't give a crap. But the fact that he just, oh, it's it's so. Beautiful. And then Jefferson just like repeats it. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, and, and then real quick, I got to mention this because Jefferson has a line that comes back later in the episode. He says to her, "Look, Marcy, if you can't trust me not to follow you, how can I ever trust you as a reference on a job application?" 
And then she responds, well, I already got you a job playing a life-size Ken in the Barbie Christmas window at Marshall Fields. Beautiful. A life-size Ken doll. Well, I have to come back to that later in the episode at the end. Yeah, I was because I was like, they better come back to that. I want, yeah. I want to see Ted McKinty <laughs> uh, doing that. Um, yeah, that was missed opportunity, but whatever. I mean, there's only there's only so much he'll humiliate yeah. himself. I guess. I just I just want to say that the whole sitcom trope of like you know where someone the person you're talking smack about is right behind you and hearing everything it's so overused, but it's always it's still so funny. I think the best uh, version of that joke ever was on the show Futurama, where Bender is talking smack about uh, their their uh, boss, and it goes like, "Bender, Bender, ah, is she behind me?" And it goes, "No, I'm in front of you." And he was she was standing <laughs> right in front of him the whole time. <laughs> I, I don't uh, remember that episode. I'm amazed I forgot that. Oh, it's it's really good. Yeah. I just I ah, uh, she behind me? No, I'm in I'm front right of here. you. You're ah! looking at me. <laughs> and then we have to talk about Griff when he comes in. He's got that kid wrapped around his uh, leg. Well, now that the wives and deadbeats are gone, let's start this Christmas party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tree is trimmed. The halls are decked, and. Ike has donned his gay apparel. <laughs> Take that back, you glorified night watchman. Gentlemen, focus. There'll be no brawling here. This is a Christmas party, not a wedding. <laughs> Besides, we can't start till Griff gets here from his new part-time job. Okay, kid. If you let go of my leg, I'll bring you a pony on Christmas morning. Excuse me. Why did you say that? I specifically told you he couldn't have one. And I specifically told you tips were encouraged. Come on, Bobby. The real Santa's at Kmart. I was talking about the kid on that little boy, and then his mother came in. She was pretty hot, and I liked the little um, exchange that they had. And then... She says, come on, Bobby, the real Santa's at Kmart. That, that, that's, that dates the show right there. I, the, I was at our last Kmart closed in, closed last year. They closed early. They were going to close anyways due to the city tearing it down to build a, a new stretch of road through the property. But they closed early after the, uh, the George Floyd uh, riots, if you remember hearing about that in Minneapolis. Yes. Yep. Because mm-hmm. the whole, the plot place was ransacked. I... I last went there in early 2020. Holy crap. Depressing. Yep. Uh, like many failing businesses and franchises, it's you're not going to find them anymore except in uh, Australia with uh, Matt and Annabelle. That's where we send all of our failing businesses. <laughs> and it's actually not it's not that like it's a separate entity. It's not owned by the Sears holding. No company. Yeah, yeah. they're just it's like, hey, let's it. make some guy in Australia is like, oh yeah, All I don't right. have to follow American rules. I can make a Kmart here. <laughs> there are there are, as of this recording only six left in the continental U.S. and then four in the Virgin Islands, one in Guam and one in Puerto Rico. You know the Mar- oh, I just if, read that the other day. Thank you, Stephen and Marriott Children listeners. If y'all kick in some more money for Patreon, I'd say, what do you think, Stephen? A dollar each more uh, person, we could all the the podcast could uh, buy one of those six Kmart's. 
<laughs> I'm sure they're very cheap right now. And then we find out about Griff's problem. Merry stinking Christmas. <laughs> hey, Griff. Where's your Christmas spirit? My ex-wife got it in a divorce settlement. <laughs> Along with the house, the car, and my entire collection of Pam Grier movies. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Uh, Where's your Christmas spirit? My wife took it in the divorce along with my Pam Grier <laughs> movie collection. <laughs> and the house. The car. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Now, I, I'll admit, I'm I'm too old. Or I'm, I'm too young to really have seen. I know, like her, the '70s kind of black exploitation movies. Pam Greer did. Um, my generation, we really remember her from uh, Jawbreaker. Have you ever heard of that movie? Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, it's, it's like a cult a film from about 20 years ago. Yeah, uh, they're making a Blu-ray um, release, apparently, which I'm Shout Factory's oh. making it and I'm totally buying it. Oh, but yeah. they, they do the best special releases with extras Shout Factory and Scream Factory. But yes, so we do. But thank you, Stefan, for we do have to take a step back to talk about Pam Greer. So mm-hmm. Pam Greer, born May 26, 1949, is an American actress. She received fame for her starring roles in a string of 1970s women in prison and black exploitation films for American so International Pictures and New World Pictures, most notably Co- Coffee in 1973 and Foxy Brown. 1974. Her other films during this period include The Big Doll House, The the Big Bird Cage, Black Mama, White Mama. I saw that one. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Scream, Blackula Scream. That's hilarious. Blackula. No, 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 not Blackula. Scream, Blackula Scream. That's the whole thing. Uh, The Arena, Shiva Baby, Bucktown, and Friday Foster. And by the way, I stopped saying the years. All those were within five years. She made all wow. those movies. She made like two movies, almost two movies a year. Busy woman. She was described by Quentin Tarantino as cinema's first female action star. She starred and gave her her starring role in his 19, in Tarantino's 1997 crime film, Jackie Brown for which she received a Satellite Award and a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress and also proves how the Academy is full of pieces of crap that don't know a good woman when they see her. She absolutely should have won uh, or at least nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I would agree with that. Stephen, have you seen Jackie Brown? No, I haven't. I don't remember seeing that one. I remember seeing several of those. Me and my cousin Eric loved to watch those. We let our brother, my little brother, watch, even though he was probably too young to be watching that stuff. <laughs> Stefan, I was, I had just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I wanted to watch another Tarantino film, mm-hmm. and I was like, I've never seen Jackie Brown, and I'm ready for this like kick-ass action beast, like crazy psychoticness. It's not right. It's, hip- it's hypnotizing. It's really good. Like Stephen Pam Greer was the only woman or person I've seen who was able to literally grab Sam Jackson in his prime by the dick I'm not joking and tell and, and tell him and, and put a gun to his groin and tell him to sit his n-word ass down and he does like it's I'm just like 
Whoa! It's iconic. Yeah. Like she Beautiful. is. She is a queen of queens mm-hmm. all over. But uh, so yeah, like just a great shout out to her. I can't rec- recommend Jackie Brown enough and Jawbreakers too. Stepan, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I have to say that I, I was never a big. I was never as big of a fan of Jawbreaker. I just mentioned it because it's a big cult film for for our generation. That's why I got you this for Christmas. One nine hundred yummy. <laughs> the bearer of this card is entitled to twenty minutes of Yuletide phone sex. Well, <laughs> you shouldn't have. Hey, it didn't cost me anything. I just cashed in my frequent Hooter miles at the nudie bar. <laughs> Meaningless, no-strings-attached sex is the last thing I want right now. That's the only thing I've ever wanted. (laughs) So Griff is so down in the dumps, Al offers him uh, this card. It says, 1-900-YUMMY. The bearer of this card is entitled to 20 minutes of Yuletide phone sex. Oh, God. It's... (laughs) disgusting i can't believe they got that past the uh the censors like that there's very few times where married children will even will make me blanch that made me blanch where i was just like oh like or what's the old state the we hate movies podcast has a really good thing where they'll say like i've got kids here uh, that's that's what that's an I've got kids here. One nine hundred yummy. I'm like, oh, that sounds gross and real. <laughs> yeah, in the early 1990s, pay by the minute hotline numbers were on their way to becoming a big industry, and they gave millions of people their first taste of information and entertainment on demand. So this is like predates um, the internet quite a bit or a little mm-hmm. bit. And the offering of 900 numbers were funded by per minute charges automatically added to a caller's phone bills, anticipated the service that the bill would later be delivered through the Internet. And I think the one I always remember was 976 Shoe and how Kelly, when Al was looking at the phone bill, he wanted to know who made three pages of calls to the heavy metal hotline. <laughs> Three pages of toll calls to the heavy metal hotline. (laughs) Oh, then that must have been me, Dad. But I was saving you money. How did you do that, pumpkin? (laughs) Well, because they said that it's $3 for the first minute and 50 cents for each additional minute. So rather than get charged extra, I'd hang up after a minute and then call back. Trying out. <laughs> oh God! There's a uh... oh Kelly. And then Al gets the great idea to have a shoe lock. <laughs> Anybody here uh, ever dial one of them numbers? Hell no. Even for even as a joke? No. No. Anybody have a parent who got in trouble for calling one of those? But Peggy was using dial a stud. <laughs> there you go. Uh, somebody, we never found out who in my house in 1998 to 1999 was, but somebody put charges. It's so great. It was like one of the last times we got charges to, to the uh, account. And my mom was like, who the hell 
ate up $250 at 1-800-NICE-SKIN or like something like that, like N-I-C-SKIN or something like that. And I was like, what's that? And she's like, that's a inappropriate phone line, Tyler. Never you mind, Tyler. Exactly. And we had, like, my uncle had stayed with us there, that during that month. Same with a couple of my older cousins. So it could have been any, it could have been my dad. Like, it, mm. we never found out. But, oof. See, today with the internet, you just Skype and, you know, you get, and it's, it's great. It's free interactive porn, if you want. I mean, that's what OnlyFans is for, like. Just yeah, I mean it's all and you know it's all it's all consenting adults. It's a beautiful thing. You've you vet Pete, you know, it's like there's a paper trail. True. And yeah. um all the guys are sitting uh we should have mentioned it's not just Griff. Bob Rooney's there, Ike's there, uh, Jefferson is still there. Officer Dan. And Officer Dan as well. They're all there for their Christmas regalia. And I love I think it's uh is it Ike or Bob Rooney that is donning their gay apparel? Oh, that was Bob Rooney. Yeah. Bob Rooney, yes. And then Bob Rooney and Grit and uh da- Officer Dan. Oh, I love that. You glorified rent a cop. Like, ooh, you don't say that to a cop. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's some fighting words. So I I just love you see there's a lot of hostility in No Ma'am right now that hopefully is going to be, you know. Calm down by one nine hundred. Yummy. Right. They always they, they always have their like fake out brawls that dissipate after like one second. Yeah. <laughs> a, you know, it's the heterosexual men. Got a I just, steam. I guess I just always pictured Officer Dan though as one that you just don't make fun of, and it was just a good on Bob Rooney just for like coming back at that mm-hmm. he looks like a guy who would just be like a, the butt of a joke all the time and not say anything and i kind of like that he turned around and was like hey f off on my awesome ugly christmas sweater mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you're here too you loser so <laughs> and then you remember that i thought it was kind of funny how they were all gathered around oh yeah like all gathered on the phone like a bunch of 10 year old boys yeah that's what i was thinking exactly it's a bunch of little kids circled around and then they identify themselves hey i all right all right don't be selfish put it on the speakerphone Hello, you're cooking with butter. <laughs> hey, butter. This is hot pants. Ooh, hot pants. Why don't you come closer and melt little old butter? <laughs> Oh, hold on. I, I got to think about baseball. <laughs> hey, hey, Butter. Uh, this is, uh, this double O shoe. <laughs> Listen, forget hot pants. You need to talk to my good friend. Butcher boy. Psycho cop. Not you, you pot belly porkers. <laughs> Hi, <Hiya>, Butter. <laughs> this is, um... Shoehorn or plenty. 
uh, Al is double O shoe. Officer Dan is psycho cop. Griff is shoehorn of plenty. Bob Rooney is butcher boy. And Ike is hot pants. And at the end, well, I'll tell you what, I'll say that until the end. Yeah, yeah we don't we don't yeah, we don't count the one at the end because he wasn't there, but that's almost my favorite one that we'll bring up later. Out of the ones you just put, uh shoehorn aplenty is the best in my my opinion. Mm-hmm. Probably. This is when we first hear Butter's voice, and Butter's voice was actually provided by Jennifer Martin. And Stefan, you mentioned his, her. Why don't you talk about her? Yeah, I was going to say, so she is a, a voice actress mainly known for the Powerpuff Girls. I didn't watch much of that show, so it didn't really mean much to me. I was She had a, a small role in one of my all-time favorite horror movies. Have either of you seen or heard of The Mothman Prophecies? I have. I have heard of it, never seen it. I saw it once a long time ago, but I don't remember much about it. It's about it's, a bridge that falls into the water. Well, right? well yeah, at the end. But <laughs> but the um, well, it's based off a real event. But the movie, it's for a horror movie. It's very emotional and deals with like grief and loss. And but in the backdrop is this like town that is seeing this spiritual entity. Oh. The supernatural entity, and it's it's very very creepy, very atmospheric, but it's very PG thirteen. Like there's not like there's virtually no violence, but it is it is good. I'm, I'm trying because like Stefan, I'm trying to remember. I think I've gotten the Mothman prophecies, the Zodiac Killer, and the image of the cover art of the Silence of the Lamb box, <laughs> all meshed up in my head. Mm. For some weird reason that like uh, all those things were one movie because I mm. think I saw all, all of them when I was a little kid and did not understand or had the uh, faculties to understand like what was going on in there. Mm. But you've kind of inspired me to do that's probably going to be my uh, Christmas horror movie this year now. Well, it, it actually so. it actually ends on uh, the, the climax is on Christmas Eve. Funny Perfect. enough. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's very it's very creepy. And like I said, the true the true story behind it was uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which my dad and I, I still hold it against him to this day. We were driving through there to get my or driving. We were within 40 miles. So it appeared on the road signs um, to, we were dropping my sister off at college in D.C. And we we're driving back and we had to stop at every friggin Civil War battlefield that he wanted to go to. And I don't want to go. I wanted to go there and he wouldn't go. And then he claims, well, if I would have known it was that important to you, I would have gone. I'm like, mm, really? So um, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but you uh, you brought up that she was in Powerpuff Girls, which that mm-hmm. wasn't a big show for you. It was a huge show for me. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, the uh, the group of uh, little 10 year olds standing around the phone, giggling at talking to uh, Butter I can't not say it like that. Oh, you um, want to do? You want to do? Want me to do my impression? I've been practicing. Yes, let's hear it, Devin. Merry Christmas! You're cooking with butter. <laughs> That's too good. <laughs> oh man, I feel I feel greasy now. All of a sudden. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've been told I have a really because I a lot of my. Work that I've done where I do like campaigns and outreach. I do work over the phone, and people tell me I have a good, good voice for the phone. You do. I would agree. 
and a great voice for podcasting too. Yeah, I mean, I have experience with uh, that. She her her character her character was Miss Bellum. <gasps> oh, she okay. That is the uh, mayor's assistant. You never see her face, and Miss mm. Bellum, and her first name is Sarah, Sarah Bellum, because the oh, mayor right. is an idiot, and she's always the practical smart one, and she has a porn star voice, and. That explains it. Okay. Mr. Mayor, the Powerpuff Girls are down the hall. I'm like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. She's had a lot of, um, let's see. She was in like Johnny Bravo, the Men in Black TV series. The Men in Black TV series. Yeah, I never (laughs) watched that. Didn't know that existed. (laughs) Yeah. Every, every, every successful property got a TV show and a cartoon show in the 90s. Most of them sucked. Okay, but so all the boys have their fun with Butter, and one particular No Ma'am member becomes a little bit too enthralled. So <laughs> poor Griff. They're make they're making this as comedy, but this is actually a real thing that can happen to people who mm-hmm. get into these like and the same thing with my only fans and other types of like services where people offer this kind of comfort and there's nothing wrong with it you know like no. yeah it's nothing wrong with it but at the same time it just no no griff don't there's no easy way to do it and i kind of like it's something that i gonna give a props up to this episode that al and really nobody shames griff for this like it, they, no, they no. deal with it with the actually a lot of tact for married with children yeah you know what i mean i just wanted to bring that up as a, something that kind of like caught my attention so i was just ready for them to like i thought it was going to turn out that all the guys were going to find out who it was besides griff and everyone was going to be making fun of him like even at yeah we still don't know it's uh peg's mom yet oh though. well i mean I mean, it, it, it would have surprised me if I didn't know beforehand. Oh, you didn't see that coming? I, I feel like I feel like I wouldn't have. Oh, I Originally, saw that coming the first time I saw this episode. Like mm. the second they brought up the second this phone op- uh, sex operator like popped up and literally right after that scene, there's a mention of Peg's mom again. I was like, oh, I know who it is. Mm-hmm. So I, right. didn't, I did not think that the first very first time I saw it, I did not connect that at all yeah it's a, twi- a twist worthy of the um the one where steve faked his impotence yeah <laughs> one of my all-time favorites that, that that was that was great i think the, the first time i saw that episode i was genuinely shocked by that it was great thanks for the ride home griff oh, don't mention it hey i'm a dodge man through and through but that geo metro here is a lot easier to push up that hill <laughs> But if you want a car that'll just rust away on the front lawn, nothing beats your dodge. You got, you got that right. Come on in, I'll give you that beer, I promise you. There's nobody home. Beer? I'll come down and join ya. My mother-in-law, the Budweiser Clydesdale. <laughs> well, I gotta go anyhow, Al. I promised Butter I'd call her at six. Yeah, you wouldn't want to leave a phone sex operator waiting by the phone. <laughs> Wait a minute, Al. Butter's more than just $1.99 a minute. She's a real good listener who really understands me. Boy, can she talk dirty. 
I still better go. I got a long push home. All right. Take it easy, buddy. <clears throat> One, nine, hundred. Yummy. <laughs> household al has just discovered in a hilarious way of who butter is through our phone <laughs> thing and he does rightfully ed o'neill's just a great physical actor the look he just wants to kill himself right this minute and real and, quick you mentioned ed, ed o'neill's performance i, I loved it I, the look in his eyes <laughs> when he connects it and mm-hmm. and the movements he made i mean it was it was one hundred percent physical, uh, physical movements, like a derangement almost. Yes, like I said, facial expression. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, oh, Jesus, that was great. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Al doesn't realize that's Peg's mom until later. He's at home and he's calling Butter, and he hears the phone <laughs> ring upstairs. His own phone rings. Yep. Yeah, and can that happen? Yeah, you can get a separate line. Yeah, even back then, because I know my uh, I know some people who have done this where they have like a roommate or uh, you know like uh, you know like a relative living there or something like that, and they need their own phone line, and there's just a slight there's a different cadence to the ring, and you can tell it that way. Oh well, that I know about, but. Later in the episode, uh, Griff is just talking like um, it's Griff and Peggy later, but I don't think a call was ever made. I think they just picked up the phone and were talking to each other on the same line. Well, That's if what they I thought. Did that, they would have to dial it. If they did that, then we just have a continuity error. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I thought it was. But yeah, I, I was like, you know what? I haven't had a landline phone since I was 12. So. Maybe yeah. I didn't know. Maybe they did something weird that I didn't know about. It kind of reminded me of a, the other trope, the the scary movie trope of the call coming from inside the house. Yeah. But but comedically, which which, again, another overused trope, but it is still effective. Hey, it's a trope you can't use anymore. I know some Gen Zers that yeah. I work with that <laughs> right. want, because that new screen movie is coming out. A lot of my uh, horror fan Gen mm-hmm. Z workers who are like 15, 16 are watching Scream for the very first time. And they're like, yeah. I was, they didn't get why it was so horrifying to have the parents listening to their daughter uh, crying on the line. Oh, and so I was sad. like, Oh, I thought that was more sad than anything. Sad. I was like, I had to explain mm. to two of them. I was like, 
Oh no, 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 like it's horrifying and sad because that she's not just anywhere. She's very, very close by because that's a that's a landline phone. And they were like, oh, and they're all connected to each other. Oh, I never thought about that. It's something you would you wouldn't have to think about from from the time period. So. Also, um, we're two days late, but happy 25th anniversary to Scream, one of my favorite movies of all time and uh, one of my gateways to horror. And a lot of my friends, their gateway to horror. It also revived horror because it, horror pretty much died in the 90s. Oh, oh God, yeah. It, with the exception of like Candyman and New Nightmare, horror was dead in the 90s until Scream came along. I love New Nightmare. Did you like oh, it? Lo- I love it, too. Okay, thank you. I'm glad there's other people out there that love it just as much. Oh, no, it's I it's did. great. It it critically got very good reviews. It just yes. underperformed at the box office. Yes, guys. Uh, so yes, but Stefan, we have a very important question for you. Sure. What is your favorite horror movie? It's scary movie, and I mean um, scary movie. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> Scream. Um, the Moth and Prophecy is definitely up there. An underrated one is Wrong Turn you've heard of that that's a good um, one yeah the early 2000s um uh, i was blank on a bunch i know i have a lot more that are great um the new invisible man is great oh i love that one that was the last movie i saw before the we went the lockdown pan, pandemic lockdown yeah i know i i could go through my whole horror collection and just like show like oh there yeah my, um, I, I have a soft spot for a lot of found footage. When done well, found footage is effective. Oh, Hell House LLC. I'm sure yes. you've never heard of that. You have. I love oh, it so, so much. So good. So good. The House of the Devil. How about that one? Good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very oh. slow. Oh, uh, the, another good slow burn, um, slow burn horror movie, The Invitation. Yes. Yeah. And you found footage, Stefan, The Visit. Shyamalan's one of his best since the Sixth Sense. That was a good one. That was good. Yeah, real quick, check out the Skeleton Crew podcast and Horror in the House of Salmons. This is fantastic. I mean, I can't believe Grandma bought us all these presents and this beautiful dinner. Uh, it's like she's an older married man or something. <laughs> you know, Peg, who would have thought that your mom's 1-900 number would have bought us our first real Christmas? <laughs> you know, for a Bigfoot, your mom's okay. <laughs> oh, Al, let's invite her down for Christmas dinner. What are you nuts? <laughs> Don't you know that the holidays are the busiest phone sex time of all? Daddy, aren't you feeling just a little guilty that most of the money that paid for this food came from your no-ma'am friends? <laughs> guilty, no. Hungry, yes. Oh. <laughs> what I mean is that don't you think you should tell them that butter is really grandma? Pumpkin, unlike marriage, phone sex is victimless crime. <laughs> Why spoil the good time of my dear friends and derail our gravy train at the same time? <laughs> Speaking of which, Peg, would you pop open another can of gravy, please? There you go. 
Dad's right. What they don't know won't hurt them. Besides, when you dial those 900 numbers, all you really care about is... He's <laughs> getting your money back for dialing a wrong number. Who could that be? Oh, maybe one of the neighbors found out we had food. We eat fast. <laughs> all right, I'll get it. Just pretend like nothing's happened. I love a line because, like, this episode goes by really fast after this. Um, Kel- Kelly makes a really fun announcement that, and again, I love it that everyone, they're only making fun of no man in the group. They're not singling out anybody. She's mm-hmm. like, Dad, doesn't it kind of, she, does she say sad or creepy? Because I would say creepy, but I guess she says sad that all this money that, because, uh, like, Peg's mom is making bank. And, mm-hmm. But she seems to be only making it off of no man members, which right. says they're all calling her continuously. Yeah, I, I I forgot how funny that I forgot what episode that line was. And like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's it, it's a really great one. And uh, another another evidence of really good uh, uh, Bud and Kelly acting for five seconds. And then mm-hmm. we don't get them again, really. So. Is in any other sitcom, you and the audience would totally be on board. Where it's going, of course, it's the wrong thing for him to take advantage of his friends and to not tell them. But for some reason, only this show, I was 100% on board. Absolutely don't tell them. Well, of course, he's eating. Whenever he's eating, he doesn't mind. Oh yeah, but that even even in other episodes where they've profited off of stuff that they obviously shouldn't, we're happy they're doing that. But we know you shouldn't, and that's the joke. This in this universe, I got no issues. I'm on Bud. I'm on, I'm on Al's side, one hundred percent. The mother is actually taking care of the Bundy family using their no ma'am uh, wank money. Oh, it's wanker money. Technically. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. Hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Made by a wanker from wankers. Or so. wankers. Yeah. <laughs> by the act of wanking. Really? The only one who brings it up is Kelly. You don't think you should tell them that butter is really, really grandma? And Al goes, pumpkin, unlike marriage, phone sex is a victimless crime. The only time you call phone sex lines is when you... <laughs> <laughs> and I love when the show does this when someone says something they shouldn't have and everyone looks in silence. <laughs> yeah, like, and I think it's kind of like uh, I, I see this as a recurring thing with Bud. I can think of at least two or three other times when he says, or the reason why they have letters in penthouse is so after you, you know, and they look at him. And then there was another one, but I can't remember exactly what he said. But uh, yeah, he embarrasses himself. Seems to be a running gag. I want to just point to a bit here when they have dinner. The they still have, even you know, like however ever many seasons later, when they're like growling for their food, uh, and, and that's for real. Okay. That was that was in the one where they go to the fancy restaurant and they get and and Peggy and Al get stood up by the kids. Oh yes, yes. and then the the England one where they're at the hotel. Yeah, they good, both they good. both still they still that's good continuity right there in the writing. Hey. Good, good call on that, Stephen. I thought you were going to bring up the oil can spout they were using for gravy. 
I, I wondered what that was and why that got such a laugh. I'm like, okay, <laughs> is that not? I mean, I've never had gravy straight out of a can, so I don't know. I'm like, is that I'm like, huh? Do, you never had a gra- well. They, I'm guessing the Bundys do not own a gravy boat, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should have an oil cow spin. I remember using those young when I was real when I was little. My grandfather would have me use one of those to get the oil out of the can to pour into the uh, into your engine. That's how they used to do it. But so yeah, nobody seems to really have an issue with the with the way Mama Wanker is getting her money, and the only issue is poor poor Griff. Mm-hmm. Hey Al! Hey Griff! How you doing? Oh, so you're having another imaginary Christmas dinner. <laughs> yeah, well, it keeps them happy, you know. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, buddy. Uh, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need your advice. You know, I've been talking to Butter a lot lately. Al, she is more than just phone sex. She is a beautiful human being. <laughs> I never thought I'd say this again. I think I'm in love. <laughs> I think I'm about to blow gravy. (laughs) I want to ask her to spend the holidays with me. (laughs) It's almost like a Griff-centered episode. Right? Yeah. But it also seems like a Peggy's mom-centered episode. And also a no-ma'am episode. And also a Christmas episode, like... Yeah. Pick one. It's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ, and I'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry with Children. shows up you know he tells al that he wants to marry her he's going to propose to her he's going to call her at six and i gotta call her now because you can't leave a phone sex woman waiting by the phone (laughs) i'm just like no 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 griff no (laughs) i don't know like uh, you guys you guys think it was weird that they chose griff for this no not really Mm. i mean he's the only one who's single no he's not he's married no, he's divorced. Griff's he's divorced. divorced. Oh, oh, he's divorced. Well, he's the Al version. He's the Al Bundy version of going through with a divorce. True, that is very true. And with the exception of Al Bundy, I'm sorry, but the No Man Crew. I don't care if they're married. Like any one of those guys could totally be. I personally would have liked it to be Officer Dan to have lost it a little bit because mm-hmm. I I really like Officer Dan and I don't feel like he gets to stand out a lot in No Man. Well, he didn't appear. He didn't appear much in the early No Man episodes, and he came along more. I think this season and season eleven. It was when I is when I had to rewatch Psycho Dad parts one and two like a thousand times for when I was on with Matt and Annabelle. It, when it's just we have so much of Griff when he's firing that gun 
and just like taking stage. I'm just like, I want more. I'm not Griff. I want more Officer Dan. I don't know. I just wondered if anybody else thought that a different No Man member might have been better to be the uh, foil for this. I thought Griff was perfect. Yeah, I mean, I he he's my favorite No Mammer other than Al. So I'm and what? Yeah, Al and Jeff. Yeah, I mean, he I I, I really liked Griff's character. So I the more I saw of him, I never I never minded it. <laughs> Family meeting. If Griff finds out that Grandma is butter, then he and the guys will stop calling and we'll have to go back to living on your income. I hate him. He's the Griff who stole Christmas. I'll kill this sucker for no, 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 no one kills anybody here. Come here. I got a plan. I want you two to get some candy canes and lure Grandma out of her room. All of her, Dad? <laughs> Even the, the dark, mossy side. <laughs> you just go do it. Uh, and then here's the thing. I love this line when Peggy says, family meeting. Al, what are we going to do? If Griff finds out grandma's better and then the guys will stop calling and we'll have to go back to living on your income. I hate Not it. Griff will be crushed. Yeah. Not that. No, we're going to lose the food. Perfect right. writing. It's, I love it. So it's such a Peggy thing to say. Yeah, they refer to him as the Griff who stole Christmas. <laughs> yes. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. So, and then Al tries to hide uh, the meal. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> wraps it up. <laughs> and they set up this pretty much the last act of the show. Hey, I want you to go upstairs and talk dirty. Oh, Al. I mean, like this? Thank you, Peg. The one meal I've had in months, I won't be able to keep it down. You said to talk dirty. <laughs> Not to me, you candied yam. To Griff. I want you to go upstairs. When the phone rings, I want you to answer it. Pretend you're butter. Then I want you to tell them that your love can never be. Well, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna, I'm gonna soften them up with our finest liquid refreshment. Oh man, that's gravy. <laughs> Not just for breakfast anymore. <laughs> now, what if Butter won't go out with me? What will I do? Not call her anymore? Nope. Call her often and call her at peak hours and talk for a long, long time. <laughs> but never ask to meet her. Okay, Al. This may be just a gravy talking, but I trust your judgment. <laughs> Here goes. <laughs> Merry Christmas. You're cooking with butter. Merry Christmas, butter baby. <laughs> this is shoehorn au plante. <laughs> yeah, you sound a little different tonight, butter. What you got, a little cold? Well, I, I did, but I'm warming up now. <laughs> well, look, butter, I know I've asked you this before, but this time I really have to know, what do you look like? <laughs> Al, I am really uncomfortable with this. I don't think I can go through with it. Peg, peg, peg. Just do what we do when we have sex. Pretend we're with someone else. 
Thanks, Fabio. You're welcome, Ginger. And Marianne. What do I look like? Well, I am statuesque with flowing red hair and a booty that your hand just aches to grab. Butter, you okay? Oh yes, I'm fine. It's just that chronic pain in the butt I live with. Uh, Butter, I gotta ask you this before I lose the nerve. Will you come spend the holidays with me? Oh, well, I'd love to, Mr. O'Plenty. But uh, it's against company policy. You see, we phone sex employees live by the highest moral and ethical standards. Yeah, well, I'd make it a Christmas you'd never forget. Dinner, dancing, a sleigh ride to the airport Motel 6 where I would rock your world. I'll be there in half an hour. <laughs> Al, I'm leaving you. And he says, well, I'm making a Christmas you never forget. Dinner, dancing, a sleigh ride to the airport Motel 6 where I could rock your world. And Peg is even considering leaving Al for Griff. Peg, under normal circumstances, I'd help you pack. <laughs> but there's more at stake here than our marriage, Peg. There's money. Piles and piles of money. So I want you to get back on that phone and do what you do best. Shatter dreams. Uh, look, Horn. I've got to be perfectly honest with you. You see, I'm a happily married woman. With children. Very, very young children. Infants. Hey, I don't mind messing around with a married woman. Al, I'll be back by noon. <laughs> Hey, he's a shoe salesman. It'd be like leaving me for me. Oh, yeah. Because Griff is just laying it slapped onto the table. And mm -hmm. Peggy's like, Al, I'll only be gone a few minutes. Like, it <laughs> Peg, if it was up to me, I'd help you pack. Mm -hmm. But we're trying <laughs> It'd be like leaving me for me, which I don't, which I don't agree with. Gr Griff is a step up from Al, but that's a really good description. He's like Peg. He's a shoe salesman. It's like leaving me for me. And and Peg, Peg only cares about, I mean, money, obviously. Mm, so point. yeah. Oh, it's so great. But uh, no, they they work it all out in perfect like sketch comedy actions. Griff plays his part perfectly well. Thanks for talking me down, Al. Uh, listen, Mr. O'Plenty. You know, it's, it's easy to get carried away on the phone. I mean, but it's all just a fantasy. You know, my husband may not be much, but he does keep me in bonbons, and I don't have to cook or clean or even know where my kids are. Yeah, well... I guess I can respect that. Can we still fool around on the phone sometimes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we could do it right now. <laughs> you got to listen to this. Uh, no, I don't. 
Mm-hmm. It does end with, but we can still fool around on the phone, right? She goes, oh, you bet, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the gravy train's still going to be going as far as this point. <laughs> yeah, and man, yeah. he doesn't even realize what kind of a kink he's doing here right now, that he's talking to, now she, he's not talking to Butter. He's talking to Butter's daughter. Like, yeah. this this is doing it for somebody out there. Like, <laughs> I wanna I wanna point out two things that I thought were great. The when Griff comes in and they they're all sitting at the table and he's like, "You having an imaginary Christmas dinner again?" <laughs> oh yeah, I thought that was funny. And then when we see the inside of of the room that Peg's mom is staying in, there's oh, that God. giant display case of food. Her room needs to be the title card of the episode so people can oh, see yeah. all the stuff. Like it, it's, it's great. It's glorious. So I never it's thought just, we would go up there. It's, right. I, I I love it when sitcoms do that where we see like like the like now we have the post where it's like the layout of your sitcom houses, you know, where you do that. That's cool. Yeah, we finally go to the place that we've always mm-hmm. heard them coming from. And then the guys show up and uh Everything looks great because they're all they're all headed to the nudie bar. How'd it go, buddy? Well, she won't go out with me, but all is not lost. You know, she reaffirmed the value of cheap and meaningless sex. <laughs> That's a gift I will always cherish. <laughs> Listen, since the wives are downtown feeding Christmas dinners to the homeless, shouldn't we be down at the nudie bar feeding dollars to the topless? Yeah. <laughs> Great idea! To the nudie bar! Yeah. <laughs> Where Christmas is nice! And lap dancers are half price! <laughs> nudie bar! Where you drink down the shooters and unwrap the hooters. <laughs> Where eggnogs are plenty. And the girls are all 20. <laughs> where the music where the music stinks and they water and they water the drinks at the nudie bar. Where the Christmas is nice, the lap dances are half price. At the nudie bar. Where the shots are plenty and the girls are all 20. Where you drink down the hooters and unwrap the hooters. You got the shooters and then around the hooters. I, I mixed two of them up. It's yeah. all I loved it. I know it's it's, all, they're all great. Yeah, and it's a continuation of what happened in uh, Rites of Passage when Bud got to the nudie bar. I'm taking you to the nudie bar. My father took me just as his father, Jebediah Bundy, took him. (laughs) Seems that throughout history, all male Bundys and looking at hooters that don't belong to them go hand in hand. I knew you loved me. (laughs) Yes, the nudie bar. Where the music stinks and they water the drinks. The nudie bar. Where the girlies dance in their underpants. The nudie bar. Well, you see their butt and their trap stays shut. <laughs> At the nudie bar. The nudie bar. <laughs> Where you can't touch a breast, but you can cave in a chest. At the nudie bar. 
where you can look at a thigh and blacken an eye at the nudie bar. Where the beer gives you gas, but the Bundys kick ass. But, dun, dun, dun. I recognize those voices. Butcher Boy, Psycho Cop, Hot Pants, Ken Doll, Shoehorn. It's me, Butter. Psycho Cop, Shoehorn O'Plenty, Butcher Boy, Hot Pants, and this is Jefferson, Ken Doll. It's me, Butter. Ah! And Alice shakes his fist. <laughs> oh, I, I fucking. And you know what? It's not even her. I'm not even gonna knock her. Like beat everything out she just like overheard all of her favorite people like uh i i love it right and it's like but you know at that point it's it's her fault you know she you know yeah i'm kind of surprised that she didn't recognize al's voice when they called her initially she's a professional yeah you don't think about this stuff when you're on the phone that's just a yeah, true she was told true. to earn her living make yeah. some money yeah. Now, Kathleen Freeman, who voices um, Peg's mom. I thought it was Roseanne Barr, but yes. Like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen. Yeah. So Kathleen Freeman, she was on um, her final one of her final voice roles ever was on a Nickelodeon show called As Told by Ginger in the early 2000s. She played one of their teachers. And when she died, they wrote it in on the show that her character had died. Oh, that's who she was? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. That's that was her final role. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app. And please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, so, Stephen, how many times are you going to call butter on this episode of Mary with children i'm gonna call her four times i like this episode i thought it was a pretty fun christmas episode it's not perfect it has a few flaws uh i think the flaws are mostly in how peg again is regulated to the sidelines which she is quite often in the latter seasons and even bud and kelly really don't do a whole lot they do some you know, Christmas is about family, but I did like the, the, the positives. One, it's more about Griff, more about no ma'am. And uh, you know me, I like the payoff at the end. That was a great payoff. One, finding out who Butter really was. And two, when she reveals herself to the no guys at no ma'am. 
So four, I'm going to call her four times and hang up after a minute and call back then. Tyler, how many times are you going to call Butter for this episode? I am going to call Butter. Originally, I was only going to call Butter twice. But because you guys reminded me that this was a Christmas episode, <laughs> which I, I kind of forgot, I am changing it to four times as well because i'm really you guys know if you listen to me i really do harp on uh story and episode construction because by season 10 i don't care if you were checked out you should know how to do this easily enough and they're still messing up they're still not incorporating your main cast members you're uh building stuff up that doesn't really pay off as much as it should later, much with the idea of Peggy's mom uh, earning all the food. And that just seemed to like come out of nowhere. I kind of forgot that that was the motivation of not having Griff found find out in my mind. I remembered it. We didn't want Griff to find out because it would kill him. And nope, it's just because we didn't want to keep eating, which works. But at the same time, I kind of forgot about it. But Christmas episodes are different. They have their own rules. You suspend disbelief, you, which we do for Married with Children every day. But I'm going to do it even more so with a Christmas episode. I loved all the No Ma'am stuff. I loved uh, Bob Rooney's ugly sweater. I loved Griff dressed up as Santa Claus, dragging that kid down. I loved Peg's mom's uh, butter performance. It was great. And just overall... It's a jolly, jolly time. This is a good episode to just put on to show somebody a Christmas episode of Mary with Children. So, yeah, four out of five. And uh, then I'm going to hang up and call one once more as well. <laughs> Stefan, what about you? How many times you call in Butter? I'm going to also call Butter four times. I think you pretty much summed it up well. I think it's... Um... A great uh, Christmas episode. I tend to, I mentioned this before, how I have a soft spot for shows for Christmas episodes and travel episodes, kind of where they do something different, get out of the element, get out of their usual settings. I know a lot of people do not like vacation episodes of sitcoms. I generally do, unless if they are like almost deliberately awful. But yeah, this this was a great uh, Christmas episode. I thought it was a, just the, the jokes, the the setup was great. The execution of it was great. Like, Al, you know, how we found out that, you know, it was Peg's mom was butter. And, you know, just it's how they try to kind of wreck, like, you know, engage in damage control. And I mean, yeah, the characters, a lot of them weren't used as much as they maybe should have been. But when they were, they were used well. I mean, like, like when we saw Marcy for a little bit and, you know, Kelly had some great. Uh, lines and bud too and i just i think that yeah this this is this is definitely a good episode i'd say four out of five and you mentioned how uh, katie seagal not being used uh as much i mean in season 10 it was really prevalent because she had her baby and i forgot about yeah. that re-watching season 10 and that that's probably one reason why i didn't like season 10 too much is because she wasn't there for most of it and they do a good job hiding that baby i never knew so yeah. yeah. This was a great episode of Mirror with Children. And uh, even better, not just for its, not just that it was a Christmas episode being recorded nearly Christmas, we also had a nice Christmas guest, Stefan. Thanks, Stefan. And I want to thank for all the listeners and Patreon members out there for listening to us again. Hope you tune in next week when 
Team Australia will be reviewing the Hood, the Bud, and the Kelly Part 1. Al buys a satellite dish from a discount store, and he and Jefferson and the men from No Man work on installing it themselves. At the same time, Bud is trying to make a video, but is turned down for a loan at every bank in Chicago. The video is an exercise video starring Kelly, along with another Latin punk named Raphael, but those two, they get into a fight over who's going to be the star. So, Bud is now in danger as Vito sends someone over, a big hitman played by Richard Mull. Great guest star. So, hope you tune in then. And until next week, please remember... Whoa.